Welcome to Untold Physio Stories, a podcast that informs and educates by connecting you to rehab industry leaders who share their candid successes and failures in business and practice. This episode of Untold Physio Stories is sponsored by Edge Mobility System. Edge Mobility System is your online site for everything a PT, OT, DC, MT, ATC, or fitness pro would need. Get certified in blood flow restriction therapy or training online. Check out our full modern manual therapy seminars, ISTM toolkit, edge suspension trainer, portable tables, and more. Untold Physio Stories listeners can save 10% by going to edgemobsys.com. That's E-D-G-E-M-O-B-S-Y-S.com slash untold to save 10% off their first purchase. Edge Health and Tech Solutions. We do websites that work for you and give you an edge over the competition. Did you know that you have less than 10 seconds to capture someone's interest in your website before they click away? How about the fact that most people are accessing your website from their phone? Save thousands and get a fully mobile, appealing, and SEO-optimized website linked to your social media, email list, and Google My Business. All for one low price and no monthly fees. Why not keep doing what you do best in your business and allow us to handle the tech side? Let's get started. Find us at edgehealthandtech.com. Welcome back to Untold Physio Stories Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. E, with Modern Manual Therapy, Edge Mobility System, The Eclectic Approach, and of course, Untold Physio Stories Podcast. And my co-host is... Dr. Andrew Rothschild with uh, Modern Patient Education and Modern Rehab Mastery. All right. So I believe I... I'm on a, I don't even know if I've told this story again, uh, or if this is a repeat on Untold Physio Stories, but I've been reminded recently about uh, my own issues with my right hip and my tight hip flexor, so to speak. So I often tell the story in my live courses about how I, I was one of those people who, when a patient introduced me to a foam roller so many years ago, um, probably going on like 15 years ago at this point, I thought it was great. I couldn't believe how much it hurt. Um, I was really validated by the pain because when I rolled it out for a couple minutes, it hurt like heck to start off with. And then it got easier and easier and easier. I felt like my IT band and my quad really softened up. It became much less painful. My hip flexion and internal rotation, which is normally really restricted, uh, became much better. At the time I was having knee pain when I ran and it always made my knee pain better. So I was was validated by loosening that up. Um, I was also someone who, when I, back when I used to teach, um, a lot of psoas release as opposed to like the pain-free psoas inhibition that I teach now, you know, I would teach digging, uh, till you are at least as deep as your, um, PIPs and, uh, on, on, you know, on a normal sized person, you might even have to go like wrist deep on a larger person, keep, keep on going, um, until you stop and you're beside the spine. And if you, I used to say, you know, jokingly, if you're too medial and you feel a pulse, get off of the descending aorta and go a couple inches lateral to that. And 
have the patient just even think about actively flexing. If you feel a flexion, you're on the psoas and keep on wiggling your fingers around until you, you know, quote unquote, release it. So I used to love teaching that because I always felt like I needed it. Um, again, due to the, the knee pain I had, the hip flexion with squatting, I would get like an impingement. If I even did like a split squat with my, uh, or a lun forward lunge with my left leg leaning, so my right leg, the symptomatic, the tight side where I would, um, I would feel all the pulling, uh, it, it, would, it would just feel like such a strong sensation of stretch. In fact, you know, um, full of thought viruses, I would basically describe it as if I did a, a split squat with my uh, right leg behind, it felt like my quad was Velcro slowly tearing away from other Velcro. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I felt like. So uh, whenever someone would do a psoas release on me, I would, that sensation would go away and I would um, feel like squatting was much better. And again, I was, I was validated by a lot of these more painful techniques so I've been taking um, Integrated Kinetic Neurology's um, eight-week online cohort, and their their stuff is really fascinating from a neurological viewpoint. And of course, you know, you and I really enjoy that stuff. So they do a lot of really low-level isometric tests, um, even basically starting off. I mean, imagine doing a manual muscle test, but instead of like trying to isolate a muscle, muscle using an entire chain. So if you can picture, you know, me in a, in a, like a, a runner stance with my right leg behind me and my left leg leading, if I were to just you know drag the top of my foot against the ground, uh, as in bringing my leg into flexion, starting at ten percent flex, ten percent of like my max isometric contraction. My right leg, the really, really, you know, one that appears to feel tight if I don't warm it up properly, I can only resist maybe 20% before my legs start shaking and I experience dramatic fatigue on my right side versus my left side. I feel like I could drag the carpet off of the ground mm. uh, very rapidly by going from 10 to 100% um, graded isometrics. So their whole theory is there's there's a couple of... Uh, like low-level isometrics, if you can't even handle low-level isometrics, it's more of like a central nervous system or motor cortex processing issue rather than a strength issue. So working on low-level isometrics enables you to do eventually higher-level things. So it's almost like the ultimate regression. So I, I experimented with that instead of doing what I was normally doing, which, which was a lot of passive hip flexion or a lot of hip flexion strength because the last couple of years in rehab, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, especially with hip flexors, they would always say, is it, is it tight or is it weak? So I've been doing a lot of hip flexion strengthening and it helped. But, you know, the whole point is that I wasn't really weak because I didn't test weak. Um, I always just said, oh, it's inhibited because if, if I graded the resistance, I was eventually able to bring it up. But I noticed that very, very low levels of resi isometric resistance, it like just started fatiguing much faster. So... I've been doing this for a couple of days now, just holding it for a minute, doing normal breathing. Because again, if I if I ramp it up and try to increase the resistance too fast, I end up diaphragmatic breathing or end up doing a Valsalva. And I, you shouldn't have to do that for a low threshold strategy. Um, so just after doing it for a couple of days, I feel my, my right quad feels great. My hip flexors feel great. They definitely feel a little bit more fatigued throughout the day, but it's more of like what they call it like a central nervous system fatigue. It's not muscular fatigue. It's not like I can't perform. I don't have a loss of performance or strength. Um, 
but ultimately i think um even other than that the, the story really um aside from the clinical is that way back when i first took the sfma i had my business partner we were going over a lot of the passive and active assessments and when i finally got to you know like prone hip extension my uh, i laid prone he asked me to lift my hip up and uh, my left side went up, you know, like 10 degrees or so. My right side, I could barely lift it off the table. And again, I was experiencing severe tightness. And, and you know, another thing that often cures these things, actually, you're not curious, but rapidly improves my hip extension is also just single leg deadlifts or kettlebell swings or any kind of activation of the posterior chain. So, you know, actively, I felt like I had zero hip extension. My my quads just felt like super tight. Um, so then I said, Hey, you know, when are you going to passive? Why don't you passively check it? So he just passively checked. I, my face was in a hole, you know, and, and often with a loss of mobility and chronic issues comes joint position sense error. So I, I said, okay, well, are, why don't you passively, passively um, bring in the hip extension? Now he's like, I am, you are in passive hip extension. And I said, okay, well, make sure you're stabilizing my pelvis. He's like, I pretty much have a fist, you know, in, in your proximal hamstring and you have about 20 degrees of passive hip flexion on this or passive hip extension on this side. And I couldn't even feel it. Wow. I expected to feel like the biggest stretch in the world, but I barely felt anything because not only did I not know I was in hip extension, but I had way more passive than active, which under the SFMA would be some kind of motor control issue. And, right. and, and in a way, is it a motor control issue? Yes, but it's also a lack of joint position, position sense error. And I only, I only couldn't activate it, but passively I've had it all along because literally like many patients, I've been stretching it for years, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So that was the story, but I want, but I was reminded mostly because of all the various ways I've been working on it. And I think even easier than someone doing, you know, like a banded standing hip extension, like a low level full chain resisted um, isometric, I'm going to call them like low threshold isometrics, going to start introducing them into my modern manual therapy courses in two weeks, actually, because two weeks is my next live course. Um, I've been playing around with it myself and some patients, and I've been finding a lot of remarkable asymmetries, even on super fit people with really low threshold isometrics. Interesting. Uh, did they mention in the course, because it seems like there are certain muscles that seem are more prone to people feeling that they are quote unquote tight, you know, did they mention at all other areas? Like, you know, you hear about hip flexors is a very common one. Um, upper traps is one of those ones that people always are tight. Then really, are, is it truly tight? Or is it actually more of a, like you said, weakness or uh, inhibit, inhibited um, motor control type of situation? Is there other areas that seem more involved than others? Um, well, they mostly look at it from like separating the cortex from the cerebellum. And they say that the, the cortex is conscious control and the cerebellum is un, is uh, unconscious control. And it's the way the cerebellum works is from medial to lateral. So looking from midpoint or proximal to distal, the way that chains, muscle, muscular chains work is the more distal muscles are smaller and the more proximal muscles are, are larger uh, for control and stability and strength. Um, 
So they were just saying if there's some sort of midline or cerebellar unconscious issue and you check these chains and there is a lot of, you know, central fatigue with these low threshold things. Like if I, for some reason, again, like if, if you imagine again, that, that leg behind me and I'm just trying to actively dorsiflex, actively extend my knee, actively flex my hip, like activate that entire anterior chain. If, if for whatever reason, there's like a lack of control from proximal to distal, or, or, and especially in the way that the, the more distal muscles cannot accept load as well, then you may be overactivating something more central. Hmm. Interesting. That's why, and that's why there's an increased perception of stretch. And I mean, and again, I'm probably totally bastardizing their like one hour explanation of this, <laughs> but I'm also trying to simplify it in a way that that I can explain it easily based upon me being in their seminars for only like you know a f- five weeks so far. Gotcha. No, it's it's inter- it really is interesting, and it's it's one of those things that just takes the um, examination a little bit more, a little more in depth, and starting you know trying to just a little bit more than just something is tight or weak. It's maybe a little bit more complex than that. Right. Um, and I think it's also a pretty simple test. Like, you know, for the upper trap, they might do something like resisted at the fingertips, just pushing back into extension when, when someone's lying supine or, or, you know, pushing into flexion, but, um, from the fingertips again. So kind of activating the, the entire chain. And if you experience weakness in, in one of these kind of major planes, but using the entire chain, um, it would restoring that distally help with all the proximal upper trap tightness that someone is feeling. Right. I haven't had enough patients actually to try it on because um, I'm mostly trying on the ones who aren't responding, but I recently tried it on a runner who I'm working with with a lot. Uh, I mean, she already had kind of global um, hip extensor, abductor weakness. She had she overtrained. She ended up with a, a femoral stress fracture. So we're just gradually getting back to her running and doing a lot of strengthening. So I had already had her doing like a ton of super clams, farmer carries, um, hip thrusters, just to work on that. She's been working a lot of her stability um, and because um, her knee tended to go into valgus. She's been working on that with a motion, with a motion guidance laser system. Um, so I thought, I don't know if she's going to test positive for this because I already seen her three times and um, a lot of her strength deficits, at least with normal manual muscle tests, were really cleaning up. But when I tested her with these really low level isometrics, like she, her leg was shaking at like 20% of however much I was pushing on the other side. Interesting. Yeah. in abduction and um, extension. Oh, really interesting. I'm going to have to look into this. Right. Right. I know I might have, I, I think I'm going to try to have them do a couple of webinars uh, for the group and uh, I might just start adding You'll, you'll, you'll basically see me adding this to uh, Modern Rehab Mastery in my online course. So Nice. All right. So where can people find you, Andrew? Oh, people can find me now, Urson, at, at a Rothschild underscore PT on Instagram and Twitter. Still, still a Rothschild. I don't know. I'm just going to call you Spear from now on. Maybe it'll get me to change back. Right. I know. Maybe I can make that website for you and we'll just... And uh, it would just be permanent then, although, because if, if we make the websites, it would be another thing you're just going to have to change. That's true. That would be too hard to do that. Right. You'd have to ask me to do it. Yes, and I won't exactly. do it. I won't do it. 
All right. Have a good day. Thanks, Spear. You too. Well, you can find me, uh, Dr. E, at Modern Rehab Mastery. That's our new online mentoring program. It includes modern manual therapy, modern patient education, and modern strength training. It's three months with three mentors, so one month with each mentor, four weeks, tons of modules, lots of CEUs, learn at your own pace for a month, then move on. Um, so go beyond the seminar. You also get chat room um, with your mentees and mentors and live Q&As every week. Check out all my products, Edge Mobility System. We have the new Edge ISTM toolbox that includes the Edge Mobility Star and the OG Edge Mobility Tool, our Edge Restriction System BFR cuffs. That's part of Dr. Kyle Coffey's Modern Strike Training BFR certificate. Uh, I hope to see you at a live eclectic approach course soon. That's Modern Manual Therapy. Um, in U.S., Canada, and South America. And uh, make sure to rate Untold Physio Stories five stars on Apple Podcasts. You could also subscribe on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And as always, you guys have an awesome day.